You are listening to Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. A place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. All right, I'm going to begin today with a little question for all of you. Are there any wrestling fans out there? A few of them here, hopefully some online as well. This is Iowa, after all. But when I said wrestling, some of us had a really different picture in our minds. Some of us imagined high school or collegiate wrestling, which is more folk style. But some of us were thinking about WWE, right? <laughs> now, if you would, speak the truth to your neighbor. Turn to them and say, WWE is not wrestling. Somebody said it's real, if you couldn't hear that. It's, it's, uh, it's good for you to join us today. Why am I talking about wrestling up here? Um, today's passage uh, uses the Greek word to wrestle, and it's used once in the New Testament, and it's used in today's passage. I'm going to open up by reading. We're in Ephesians 6 today, um, and I'm going to read Ephesians 6.12. You can start turning there. We're going to be reading the rest of it here in a little bit. But Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers of, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I have some fond memories of wrestling. I was a high school wrestler, and my freshman year, I didn't win a match. <laughs> It was rough. I wrestled varsity. I'd never, never wrestled at all before. But uh, I was a small school, and I was the only one who qualified still. And, uh, but uh, I almost quit, but I'm glad I didn't. And I, I continued to grow and, and got better and, and had some, some real great memories. I remember my first win. It was my first pin. And just like the shakes, the jitters I had afterward from all of the adrenaline. Um, but God calls us to wrestle or fight, but not with flesh and blood against rulers and authorities against cosmic powers. If you don't know me yet, I'm Steve Poole. I'm the director of youth and young adult ministries here at Cedar Hills. Thanks for choosing to worship with us today. We're finishing up our series on Ephesians. It's called Love, Belong, and Serve. And we'll be looking at Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And uh, I think you'll see those, those key themes, love, belong, and serve in today's message. If, if, I might not highlight them specifically, but, but pay attention. You'll see those there. My... <clears throat> sermon title is in the lord's army so there right there you belong to something i think the bible's clear we belong to the army of god and uh, we serve alongside our brothers and sisters in christ and love will pay will play a role as well and we see that because this is all uh, rooted in the rest of ephesians that tells us to sit in in a knowledge of the gospel and to to walk in a manner worthy of our faith and to stand is what we'll talk about today um, so as we go ahead, uh, this, this, this passage, you might recognize it, uh, Ephesians 6, is uh, often referred to as the armor of God, and Leah already talked about it. Um, and it, it's just such a familiar passage to us. As I prepared for our message today, I felt like that might be one of the things that's difficult for us. We've all heard it so many times. If you've been around church, you may have colored in a coloring page with the armor on it, right? And uh, if you've led a Sunday school class or a VBS, maybe you cut out the cardboard sword and you wrapped it in aluminum foil. I'm pretty sure I did that one one year as well. But I think sometimes with this familiarity has a, an accidental consequence. Sometimes it, it, the words lose their potency 
because they're too familiar to us. So as we visit Ephesians 6 today, I want us to start by praying and inviting the Spirit of God to give us fresh eyes and a fresh heart to encounter His Word today. So let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you so much for the worship we've had. I thank you for your word of truth that speaks into our lives. I pray that right now you give us a fresh uh, mind and a fresh heart and fresh ears, fresh eyes as we view and hear this text today, that you would convict us um, and how we can live better for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. You can follow along in your Bibles or on your apps. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand on the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you may be able to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. We've got some truths we're going to ponder today from this passage. And, and the first one I think that we all need to be aware of is that we are at war. I think it's clear from this passage that there is a spiritual war going on. Cosmic spiritual realm battle. Good versus evil. And that we are a part of it. As Christians, we are on God's team. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are part of the army of God. And so I invite you to ask the question, do you believe that? Think back on your past week. Did it feel like you were at war? And I was convicted, honestly, that I didn't feel like I was at war, that I was fighting a battle. And I think that's one of the schemes of the devil, is that to trick us to not be good warriors... We can't fight if we don't recognize that there is a spiritual battle going on. And I think we all have this decision to make. When our experience, right, our emotions, sometimes it doesn't feel like we're in a spiritual battle, doesn't match up with the truth of Scripture, which says there's cosmic good and evil, and it's, it's going on all around us, and we can fight. We can be a part of that by using the armor of God and by prayer. We need to choose. Are we going to believe and trust our feelings or the Word of God? I think the invitation... It's for us to trust the word and accept this challenge today. C.S. Lewis has a quote from um, a, a great book called The Screwtape Letters. How many people have read The Screwtape Letters? It's a, it's a correspondence between an experienced demon or devil and a younger one who's in training. And this is one of the things he says. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall. 
about devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive, unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased with both errors and hail a materialist and a magician with the same delight. I think one of the battles that we fight is about our worldviews. And one worldview that, that Satan would love for you to believe is that there is no spiritual realm. There are not devils, and it doesn't play a role in our daily lives. And we live like we're not at war, and so we become ineffective soldiers for God. I think the second point here that I'd like to, to, to focus on is this. Our fight is not against people. I already read verse 12. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, I think this is one of the biggest tools to help us love our enemies, is to recognize that those people aren't actually our enemies. People that are doing evil things in the world are deceived. And they are not the enemy. They are maybe even to be pitied and loved more than to be hated. And I think this is a real challenging call. Three, who are we fighting then? We are fighting preeminent, powerful, spiritual enemies with authority in this present world. I looked at the, the meaning of the words behind, you know, when it said authorities and rulers, and preeminent was one of the things that stuck out when it said rulers. That was part of the power it's talking about. And when it says authority, it's a similar word to the one used for Christians. When it says Christians have authority, the authority of God being in the kingdom of God here on earth, it's that same authority that these evil spirits and people who are deceived have. They're working under the authority of the devil the same way we're working under the authority of the one true God. I think it's important for us to accept this worldview, and it's against our culture, right? Our culture says, if I can't see it, I can't observe it, I can't measure it. It's not true. We live in a very materialistic society. But it's an important worldview, and I'd like for you to just, just consider that Jesus believed in demons, Right? He cast out demons. They recognized him. Paul, Peter, the early church members, they believed in demons. They cast demons out. They saw angels. Angels did miraculous things through their prayers. They all believed in a spiritual realm. They interacted with the physical realm. And that was a huge part of their worldview. And if we don't believe that, we're probably missing out. And that's what we're invited to here in Ephesians chapter 6. I think specifically we fight against Satan, which is a, the, the most powerful of the fallen angels and, and the other fallen angels, Satan and the demons, who their main power is to see, right? The, the Bible here in this passage talks about the schemes of the devil. It talks about him as the father of lies. His main method of, uh, of defeating us, robbing us of joy, because his power is not as great as Christ. His power is not as great as the Lord, is to deceive us into believing false things that rob us of what Christ and God want to give us. So one example I'm going to share with you about the, how this plays out is uh, from, the story, from the life of Bob Goff. He's an, an author and a Christian activist. He um, has gone to Uganda, and he became like a consulate general, something like that over there. And he is a lawyer. He practices. And he tells the story of... Um, but to set up the story, you need to know that witch doctors in Uganda, even up to this time, uh, they kidnap children... 
And they harvest their organs to use in their spiritual practices. And they even use child sacrifice at times. And so one day there's this, uh, this evil witch, do- there's this witch doctor named Kabi. And he goes and he kidnaps a, 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 young, a young child called Charlie. And uh, he takes him, he harvests some of his organs. But fortunately, he doesn't die. And so Bob has an eyewitness for the first time. And he, he goes around, he finds a judge who's willing to hear this trial. Because in the, it's the first trial of a witch doctor in Uganda because everybody's afraid of their power. They're afraid that they're going to cast a spell on them and they're going to die because that's a part of what they've seen happen. But Bob is not afraid because he knows he has the blood of Christ over him and that the power of this witch doctor is not as great. So he takes on this case and they go to trial and because he has an eyewitness, uh, he is able to get a conviction and Kabi goes to prison. And I'm going to finish the rest of the story later so you can see how this ties in even more. But in our world, right, we're in a materialistic society, so I think often Satan doesn't want to cue you into those powers, so he's much more subtle. He'd rather convince you that money will answer your problems and get you pursuing money instead of pursuing God. He'd rather convince you that fame or recognition or, or drugs or... Dependence to images, pornography will satisfy you. He wants to get you dissatisfied in your relationships, your marriages, so you seek satisfaction in other ways. And he tells us these kind of lies. He says, you're not good enough. You look at the past. Look who you are. God could never love you that much. And he continues to rob us of our joy and make it so we don't step out into the role that God has planned for us in this cosmic battle. I think another key point is this. Our success does not depend on our own strength. In verse 10 we see, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord. It's His strength that we fight with. This harkens back to Joshua 1.9. Back in, in January, we talked about this. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We see that same thing here. It's the Lord God's strength that keeps us from fear. It gives us the boldness to stand. And as we look at these weapons, I think it's really cool to see how they all tie into God's power and God's work in us that we've seen already in Ephesians. It's the belt of truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Even this belt that protects us is Jesus himself, the expression of Jesus, this truth that we have. It plays itself out in that you can hear the truth, but there's a, something different happens when you use it, when you speak God's word to battle against the lies of Satan. So when Satan tells you you're not good enough and no one will ever love you, you can say, Jesus loved me enough to die for me, and that's what I'm going to base my identity on. Then we have the breastplate of righteousness. 
But where does this righteousness come from? If you read the earlier parts of Ephesians, you know it comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's not of our works. It's not a righteousness built by man. It's a righteousness given to us by, by our faith in Christ Jesus. And now we put on this righteousness of Jesus. And we can walk around, and when Satan tries to help us, tries to cause us to live a life of shame, we can say, that's not who I am anymore. Jesus says, I'm a new creation, and we can fight out of that truth using this breastplate of righteousness that we know we have. It's the gospel of peace. Peace is that fruit of the Spirit. If you read Galatians, we see the helmet of salvation. That only comes through Christ Jesus. The sword of the Spirit, which is God's third, uh, third part of the Trinity, right? The Spirit and the, and the word of truth, uh, the word the word, which is, once again, could be Christ Jesus and in his, his word we've talked about already. So, so much of this keys back into the idea that, that when we fight, it's like we're taking all these gifts from God and we're, we're immobilizing them. We're now taking them and we're using them to fight in this battle. And we're relying on his strength, not our own. And I think the last um, key idea or key truth, I think, is this, that our secret weapon is prayer. Hopefully it's not a secret to you. If I had to summarize the, the uh, verse 18, I would say it's pray all. Let me read it to you with an emphasis. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Supplication, there's another word for prayer. It's a prayer when you're interceding. You're praying for someone else or for yourself for, for the things that you need. So, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To, the, to that end, keep up all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. All is repeated four times in that one verse, and so is prayer. Pray all. We stand, but what helps us to stand is to recognize and turn our eyes continually to Jesus. Because when we pray, it redirects our focus. I'm no longer trying to stand against the schemes in my own strength, but now I'm recognizing that I'm doing it in God's power. It refocuses us, and that's part of the power of prayer. And the other part is inviting that spiritual realm and recognizing again that when I pray, I'm empowering good, positive angels to move and to accomplish God's will as you pray in faith in his name. So as I read that, I was, I, was, I was once again challenged. How would, my life, how would my life be different if I prayed all? How would our church be different if we prayed about all things? If that was our first response to pray. I think it's a challenge for all of us today. As we look at some quick applications, I'm going to ask you some questions. First, how will our lives change because we know we're at war? Because it's easy to hear that, but now to apply it and live it out maybe is a challenge. Specifically, I think you could think about how will your prayer life change? Because that's the one key caller that we're going to pray and mobilize those things in our life. A second application I think you all might consider is warriors fight and train in groups. They don't get sent out alone. They don't train alone. They have a squad. 
that they train with and they fight with. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he didn't send them out alone. And same thing's true of you and me. So I'd invite you today to consider who is your, a part of your spiritual squad. Who is it that encourages you, who speaks truth into your life, and who holds you accountable? Number three, who are you treating like the enemy? I think there's people in our lives sometimes when they hurt us, when they wrong us, or even if they just disagree with us, there's this push to say, well, if you disagree with me, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. You're wrong. You're, you were, there's maybe even a hate there to, to people that believe different things than you. I'm saying, I, I think that the word is saying today we need to consider, is there anybody in your life who you've been treating like the enemy? And how can you seek reconciliation, a changed heart, in that relationship because they are not the enemy we do not fight against flesh and blood it's a it's a difficult challenge and a serious one but i encourage you to consider it today and i want to wrap up um, with with sharing the rest of the story of kabi charlie and bob bob uh takes charlie uh to america and he talks to some doctors and they treat him and, and heal his wounds and it's, it's amazing and they adopt him bob's family adopts charlie and he shares later as he's becoming a man that they go and they climb mount kilimanjaro together um and god and god convicts bob and says bob you need to go to prison and you need to share the gospel with kabi and i think this is a man who gets it he goes to prison and he shares the gospel with Kabi, and he responds, and he says, I, I believe in Jesus. I want to share this newfound faith and gospel with my other prisoners. And he does that. And they even start a school for uh, witch doctors where they use the Bible to learn to read and to write. Because he doesn't see those people as the enemy, but as deceived people who need Jesus. And the last thing I want to close with is, as we consider that we're in battle and we're in war, I don't want anybody to be deceived. We win. We can know for sure that our side wins. It says in Philippians that one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father forever. There's so many passages to talk about, but we know that we are on the winning side. The victory is in Christ Jesus, and we're just waiting for that to be accomplished, for Jesus Christ to return in victory. One other verse I've put up here for you, another one that talks about it. <clears throat> this is 1 John 4, 4. For you are from God, little children, and you conquered them, because the one who is greater is in you than the one who is in the world. Don't let Satan convince you that his power is greater. If you have a faith in Jesus Christ, you have been made new, you've been adopted into his family, you have the Spirit of God living in you, you do not have to be afraid of any evil spiritual beings in, in, in this world. Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, is more powerful. Let's, uh, let's take our places this week on the front lines, battling Satan with God's truth. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I thank you so much for your word and the way it challenges us and speaks into our life. I pray over everybody in this room that we would be putting on the armor of God this week. 
that we would be relying on your strength and, and taking these things, truth and your word and righteousness and, and, and just applying it to our life and mobilizing it to give us weapons so we can fight those lies, the false worldviews. Father, I, I pray for the people in our community who are deceived. Father, they're not the enemy. I pray that, that you would open the eyes of those who have been spiritually blinded and that your gospel would grow and, and grow roots and grow deep and, and bear fruit even in the lives of those people who have been most deeply um, enemies of you, God. I praise you for stories like Bob's where he can, he can love what seems to me an unlovable person. And he can have your eyes. I thank you that you love us even when we are sinners. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We pray you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, please visit our website, www.cedarhillscr.org.